Thank you, everyone. You may be seated. Thank you, uh, Carolyn, darling. Fantastic song. Never heard that song before. Very, um, very touching, moving. We uh, are completing our little mini-series on lessons from the prodigal family. And um, we're, we're looking at the power of jealousy. I call it the, the family killer. And um, you, you remember the story. You know how it goes. The young boy says to his dad, Dad, I, I, you're stifling my, my, my life. You're cramping my style. I'm leaving home. He leaves home, takes, takes his inheritance, half of his dad's wealth, goes to a distant land, squanders it, finds himself in a pig stall eating with pigs, and he says, I, I got to go home. Even my dad's servants live better than this. Even my dad's hired people eat better and live better than I'm living right now. So I'm going to go home to my dad. I'm going to say, Dad, uh, I, I've sinned against you. Please forgive me, and uh, can I work for you? He said, so that's it. The son's walking home, and the father, in a very undignified manner, when seeing him off in the distance on the horizon, tucks his cloak in and starts running through a field. And we all know that dignified people don't run like that. But this father didn't care about his dignity. He didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care what anybody thought about him because there was his beloved youngest son, and off he runs through the field to meet his son. And when he greets his son, his servants following behind him are given instructions. Give him a ring for his finger, which signifies that he's restored to a position of authority in this household. He is now, he's not going to be a servant in this household. He's, he's my son. He's going to remain my son. And he's back in that position of authority. And those old grubby clothes, get them off of him. Because that's, those are not clothes fitting for my son. And so he gets a robe, puts a robe on his son, puts shoes on his feet, and then has a great big feast to celebrate. The older brother looks on, and you know the story. He's extremely jealous of his little brother. Today I want to talk to you about jealousy. I want to talk to you about the deadly effects of jealousy Because it not only kills families, but jealousy will kill a marriage. Jealousy will kill a church. Jealousy will kill friendships, partnerships, all relationships. And so here's the thing, my friends, today. Every one of us, at some point or another, experiences these emotions, these feelings of jealousy. And the question is this, is what do you do with those feelings of jealousy? How do you cope with it? And as a Christian, how do you overcome that? We go back to the very beginning of the Bible, right back, Genesis chapter 4. What do we discover? The first story in the Bible is about Adam and Eve and how they sin against God and how they fall. Guess what the second story is about? The second great story in the Bible is about two brothers, Cain and Abel. And God accepts the offerings of Abel, but rejects the offerings of Cain because Cain is not bringing to God the offerings that God requires. And so what happens? 
Jealousy sets into Cain's heart, and jealousy so takes over, so overpowers him, that he ends up murdering his brother. It's the first murder mentioned in the Scripture. The first murder mentioned in history. All because of jealousy. We read through the Scriptures. We find numerous stories in the Bible, and and these are stories that you learned in Sunday school. Remember Joseph and how his dad favored him? And what did he do? He made for his son a beautiful coat of what? Of many colors. And the younger David, he, or a younger Joseph, he brags to his brothers about the visions that he has, and his younger brothers are just getting angrier and angrier at him. And so what do they do? They plot to kill him. But thankfully, one of the older brothers, he, uh, he says, well, look, let's not kill him, just sell him. And so they sell him. And you know the story. God takes and uses that for his glory and honor. Joseph becomes second in command in Egypt. But the power of jealousy. These brothers would actually sell their brother into slavery. David, chosen. Youngest brother in the family, chosen to become the next king of Israel after sinful Saul is no longer needed by God. And his brothers are jealous. Jesus comes on the scene preaching the gospel, and he's got a great following. The Pharisees are what? They're jealous. And because they're jealous, they're not open to what God wants to teach them. They're not open to hearing the words of Christ. So here's a, here's a thing this morning. When you let jealousy into your heart, it turns you into a beast a murderer, a killer. It turns you into somebody who's cold towards God. It turns you into somebody who's not open to what God wants to say to your heart. And this is the thing. Every one of us here at some point or another, and maybe even this morning you're battling with it, but we all will battle with this emotion of jealousy, with these feelings of jealousy. So here's the thing. I want you to look at this picture here. This is the picture of Rembrandt. Maybe, Scotty, could you just back that up for a moment? I want you to see the, the picture as it was, uh, as it was created by Rembrandt. It's just, you, you look at that and you don't really fully appreciate it until you start really examining it. One of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, I think I mentioned this to you, he actually went to Russia to the Hermitage in St. Petersburg and he actually, for two weeks, would go to this, go to this painting and sit in front of it. Uh, for eight hours a day, as long as the museum was open, he would just sit there and stare at it and take notes. And so as you, as you look at this picture, at the first glance, it doesn't really say a whole lot. But when you start really examining it, let's move on to the next picture now, Scotty, thanks. You see this brother, this older brother, looking at his younger brother. And because he's looking to his younger brother, jealousy grips his heart. Now I want you... To, to look at that scripture, let's look at the next, uh, let's look at that passage of scripture. Look at those parts that are underlined. The older brother, after the father throws a party, refuses, he becomes angry and refuses to go in to celebrate the return of his brother. His, the elder brother scolds the father, and look what he says here. Again, move down to yet. Okay, let's read it with me together, right? Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. 
yet you kill the fatted calf for him. You see what's happening here? He is comparing his situation, his life, to his younger brother's life. I want to tell you what happens when you play the comparison game. You are getting a full picture of what's going on. You're seeing things only from your perspective. And here's the thing, my friends. Your perspective is just, it's tiny. It's absolutely essential as a Christian. If we're going to overcome jealousy, that we see things from God's perspective. And God's perspective is infinite. He sees it all. He knows it all. He understands it all. So let me ask you this question this morning. Have you felt underappreciated? Have you felt maybe uh, you're, not a, you're not appreciated around here? Maybe you feel that way in your house. You don't feel appreciated or at work. People seem to be getting promoted above you. People seem to be getting a position above you. And you just feel so underappreciated. And you feel the need to make sure everybody knows how wonderful you are. Do you ever do that? Folks, if, if that's the case, then perhaps you're struggling with jealousy. You feel that you've been unfairly treated, you, and you find yourself constantly comparing yourself to others. Folks, this happens in your home. This happens at work. It happens in the church. I've been in the ministry for 25 years, and I could keep you here for hours telling you stories of people who are overcome by jealousy. Remember, we had a celebration for uh, Janet and Denny. They were just uh, just getting married, and uh, we Carrie Cooney had a little. Remember that, Carolyn, the, the hula, and I think Ainsley was up there with her doing the hula. It was fantastic. It was so it was so touching, so wonderful. It was in the basement of the old church, and I thought, man, this has just been a wonderful evening. And I was talking to somebody as uh, as the evening was finishing, and they were heading out, and I said. Didn't you enjoy that? Wasn't that just a, just a wonderful family time, church family time? We had wonderful times together in those days. Uh, we still do, but they were special because we were a smaller group. But this, this woman, she said, no, it was terrible. I said, what? What? Pardon me? What? Why didn't you enjoy it? She said, because my daughter should have been up there doing the hula too. And I started to laugh because I thought she was joking. But she was dead serious. And from that day on, she was constantly comparing and, and, and saying, how come, how come we don't get to be involved? How come we don't get to do that? How come, how come others are chosen above us? And it so, it so devastated her that it passed on to her children. And that family, as far as I know today, are not even serving God. They're not going to church anywhere. This is the devastating effects of jealousy. It destroys your life. It destroys your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It destroys your family if you allow it to go on. So here's the temptations that we, you, and I feel, you and I get, and you cannot give in to these feelings. The first feeling, or the first thing, is to compare yourself to others. You cannot do that. Don't compare yourself to what others are doing or what other people have or where other people are at in life. I was talking to a guy the other day, and uh, we were talking. Uh, we're just, you know, just talking about how good God is and how good God has been to us. And and um, and then we got talking to 
uh, talking about people on social assistance and what a struggle it is for them. And I mean, I was feeling, I was feeling like a real sense of compassion and, and wondering what I could do as a Christian to help those who were less fortunate. And this person, rather than agreeing with me, which really shocked me, they took the opposite, they took the opposite tack and they said that, uh, they were, they were upset and jealous that those people got money f- for doing nothing. I said, do you mean to tell me you would rather change places with that person? You, who's making a fantastic living, you would change places with a person who is struggling? Uh, he, he, listen to this. It's, it's so absolutely ridiculous. This person I'm talking to is making a good living. They get along well in life. And they're going to be jealous of somebody who gets maybe five or $600 a month. This is how crazy jealousy is. You begin to compare yourself and you think, how come they get it for free and I have to pay the taxes to make sure that that person gets money for free? It's absolutely nonsense. It's ridiculous. But that's what we do. We begin to compare ourselves to others and then we get into trouble. Now, here's the thing. Don't compare yourself to others. Do this. Rather than looking at what other people have and what you don't have, what you need to do is you need to recognize what you have. And that's precisely what this, what this father is trying to point out to his son. Son, you're with me all the time. Everything that I have belongs to you. Why on earth would you be jealous of one fattened calf that's been killed? Why on earth would you be upset over one robe, one ring, and a pair of shoes? It doesn't make sense. And yet that's what happens here. It's absolute, it's absolutely insane, isn't it? But that's what jealousy is. It's insanity because you get upset over such small things. You start comparing and you don't recognize what God has given to you. How many know today that we are all greatly blessed here in this country? And there is no reason for us to compare ourselves to others or think that we don't have it as good as somebody else. Because when you stop to consider what God has given to you and to me, we can do nothing but give him praise and count our blessings. So here's the older brother. He does, he does the comparison game, and then after that he gets angry. Now, anger in our lives is simply an emotional response to, to feeling powerless. When you feel powerless, then you get angry. You know what I'm talking about. You're driving along there, someone cuts you off, and what do you do? You say, God bless him. <laughs> You get angry because you're, you're powerless. You can't do anything about the fact that that guy has cut you off. And he knows that you're mad. And now he's going to cut you off again just to, just to spite you. <laughs> and you're angry because you're why? Because you're powerless. Now, here's the thing. As believers, as Christians, we will allow our, if we allow ourselves to get angry, then here's what we're doing. We are forgetting who really is powerful. We're forgetting who's in charge. If you let God be God in your life, if you let God be in charge, and if you recognize him as the one who is all-powerful, then you're going to find yourself not giving in to anger. But anger in comparison is, is what jealousy is all about. And so I want to say this to you this morning. If you are battling with jealousy in your life, or if you're one of those people that find yourself doing that, here's what you've got to do. Don't compare yourself to others. Start counting your blessings. And rather than, rather than getting angry, which we so often do, acknowledge 
who God is. So next time that person cuts you off in traffic, say, God, you're in charge here. I'm not. You're in charge. Next time your boss doesn't give you the raise that you think you deserve to say, God, you're in charge. You know all about it. That's a hard way to live. But let me tell you something. That, my friends, is what the Christian life is all about. It's a life of faith. It's a life of trusting that the Father is in charge. How many know that the Bible says that, that, that God holds the heart of the, the king in his hands and he directs it like a water course? In your case, your, the king in your life might be your husband, it might be your wife, it might be your mother, your father, it might be your, your boss, your teacher at school. You think things aren't going right? Leave it in God's hands. Commit it to the Lord. That's not easy to do. But my friends, that is what the Christian life is all about. It's all about saying, God, you're in charge. I'm letting you take control of this. It doesn't make sense to me. Father, quite frankly, I'm really quite angry at the moment. Talk to God like that. He'll get a chuckle out of it. <laughs> you tell God, I'm, I'm really quite upset about things right now. And you know what? You just leave it in God. But God, I'm going to leave it in your hands. It doesn't, it's, it's not, you've, you've said this. It's not fair. You leave it in God's hands and watch what God will do. My friends, this is the Christian life. It doesn't make sense. But how many know that the Christian life does not make sense? <laughs> not to the natural mind, it doesn't. You let God be God and watch what happens. So the first thing you need to do is you've got to make sure that you don't give in to the feelings of comparing and of anger. The next thing you need to do, if we could see the next slide, is you will find relief from those feelings of anger, those feelings of comparison, by looking to the Father. You, you notice that now? Not looking at the Son, who is getting all this blessing and love from the Father, but looking to the Father directly. That's, that is the beginning, my friends, of overcoming all temptation in your life. Did you hear what I'm saying? How many here have moments of temptation? There's three of us. Okay, <laughs> so, okay it's four. Yes, I see that hand, brother. Yes, another one. Okay, everybody put your hand up. Come forward. I'm going to pray for you. No, it's okay. If you're going to overcome temptation in your life, what you've got to do is you have to look to the Father. That's the beginning of overcoming any struggle, any problem in your life. Look to God. The elder son was jealous of his father's love and attention because what he was looking at was he's looking at his younger brother getting all the love and all the attention. And that was hard for him to, hard, hard to him to, to accept. This older son, he failed to recognize it. In his father's presence, listen to me, when you're in the father's presence, there's, look at, unlimited love, unlimited blessing, unlimited acceptance, unlimited approval in the father's presence. When you look at the son, you think there's not enough to go around. When you look at the father, you find relief and suddenly you recognize as, as the father says, let's see that next slide, Scotty. Look at the father says to his son. Son, you're not getting this. My son, the, you are always with me. My son, you're always with me. There's unlimited acceptance, unlimited blessing, unlimited approval when you're in my presence. But when you're focusing on anybody other than God, then you forget all that. Did you hear what I'm saying? When you get your eyes back on God, then suddenly you recognize that, that there's unlimited blessing from God for you. You show me somebody who's, who's feeling like God is distant and God doesn't love them and God is not pouring out his blessing. And I'm going to show you somebody who hasn't done their devotions. 
There's no substitute for spending time with the Father. Here's the thing. The Father was always with the Son, but the Son wasn't always with the Father. Is that a contradiction? No, it's not. How many know that you can be with somebody physically, but you're not with them spiritually or emotionally? You know what I'm talking about? So the Father says, I'm, you're, you're always with me. But the reality is, is the Father is always with the Son, but the Son isn't always with the Father. Do you get that? The Father is always close to the Son, but the Son's not always close to the Father. What's going on? The, father, the, the Son's getting his eyes off of his Father. And he's not, listen, he's not enjoying fellowship with the Father. Now, how many understand what I'm talking about today? How many understand that this parable of the Father is really symbolic of our relationship to our Heavenly Father? And God is calling you and me into a close communion and a close relationship with him. If you haven't been doing your devotions, if you haven't been in the, in, in the word, if you haven't been in prayer, then what's going to happen is that you're going to find yourself giving into temptation and you're going to find yourself being overcome with feelings of anger, feelings of temptation. Uh, you'll find yourself falling into sin. But the minute you get focused on the father, then things begin to change. When you forget to fellowship with the father, you, uh, frankly, you can't see things from his viewpoint. You can't see things from his point of view. But when you focus on the Father, you begin to understand the heart of the Father. You begin to understand it. Listen to this. God knows so much more than you and me. Isn't that true? I don't know about you, but that's a great relief to me. I don't, I'm, I don't have to sort out the whole universe. I don't have to sort out all the relationships. and I don't have to sort out world government. I, I don't have to advise uh, Prime Minister Harper. I don't have to call Obama and set Obama, get him sorted out. I don't have to do that. I know that do you. But you know what? We live as though we are in charge. Listen to my friends. Let God be God. Get focused on him and you'll find yourself at peace. And if you're feeling jealousy, feeling anger, feeling any kind of sin in your own heart right now, you will find relief as you focus on the Father. The third thing I want to point out to you this morning is that when you, uh, when you begin to focus on the Father, then you begin to understand the Father's heart. Things won't make sense to you. Life won't make sense. What you go through won't make sense. You'll, you'll struggle, frankly. You're going to have a hard time understanding why things are the way they are. But when you back up and look at the way the Father interacts with His children, then you begin to understand His heart. And look what it says here. My son, you're always with me. Listen to this. And everything I have is yours. That's what the Father said. Everything I have is yours. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. <laughs> because if you understand that everything that God has is yours, then you have absolutely no reason to be jealous of anybody. You have no reason to covet anybody else's circumstances or, or situation or, or possessions. You have no reason to because everything that the Father has is yours. This elder brother, he forgot how much he was loved by his father. He forgot.
as he watched his he watched his younger brother being blessed and loved and embraced by his dad, he forgot that that was available to him as well. Now, understand something today. That the way that God has blessed others, he wants to bless you as well. You, you remember the old hymn, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. You know that song. And it's truth. But what you've got to do is you've got to begin to understand the heart of the Father. Now, I said last week, Kathy, Kathy Hetherington gave me a, a plaque. It said, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> and so I bought her a bumper sticker that said the same thing. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Understand something today. That if you belong to the family of God, God loves you as much as a person sitting beside you as much as he loves the person sitting behind you and in front of you. And there's some people you say, you know, I have a hard time loving. How many have a hard time loving everybody all the time? Anybody like that or is it just me? Okay, there's a few honest people here. Some people are not so easy to love. How many know that there's some people that you go to church with that are kind of hard to love sometimes? How many know that sometimes it's hard to love your, your brothers or your sisters? Of course, Carolyn and Darlene always love each other all the time, have never fought our whole life through. And so we're just so glad that they're here to set an example for us. Sometimes, sometimes you, you don't get along. But here's the thing. God loves everybody in his family the same. And until you understand that, then you will, you will struggle, frankly. You see, the elder brother did not understand this. He did not understand his father's heart. He did not understand that his dad loved the younger brother as much as him. And listen to this. He didn't understand his unconditional love. He didn't understand that this love was not dependent upon anything that they could say or do. And if you're a parent here today, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing that your kids can do or or won't do that will change how much you love them. Your love for them if you're normal, <laughs> will be consistent. It's not dependent on what they'd say or what they do. You need to understand the heart of your father. When you understand the heart of the father, then you understand that your brothers and your sisters, people you, you live with, the people you work with, are not people that you should be jealous of. They're people that you need to love the same. This elder son, this younger son, he, he didn't understand, didn't understand the father's love. That's why he ran away. And by the way, can I tell you this? It was his running away that was the biggest scandal. It wasn't the, the squandering of wealth. That wasn't, and if you read that story, a lot of people misunderstand this. It wasn't the squandering of wealth. But you see, we automatically think it was the squandering of wealth that was the great sin. That wasn't the great sin. Because to the father, his, the wealth meant nothing. What mattered to the father was his sons and his relationship to his sons. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Because more important to God is your relationship to him. Listen to this. And if you don't get this, you're not going to understand what God's doing in your life. 
More important to God than how much money you have or the kind of car you have or the house you have. More important to God is your relationship to him and your relationship to one another. And the thing is this, until you learn to love the people that God has put in your life, you're going to continue to struggle. And you're going to, you're going to find that you're not experiencing and you're not having the blessings in your life that God the Father wants for you. Not because he's mad at you, but because he loves you so much and he knows that you'll never be happy until you learn to love all the people in your life. You see, I pastor, I, I love everybody, but I don't like everybody. What does that mean? <laughs> You've heard that. I love him, but I don't like him. I love him because we're going to be in heaven together someday, but I'd rather not hang out with him. I don't understand what that means. But I can tell you this. That God allows you to go through these times of difficulty and struggles in your relationships so that he can make you more like him. Because the heart of the Father is love. And that, my friends, is what the Christian life is all about. It's all about loving one another. And the sooner you learn that lesson, the happier you're going to be. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, that, that story the prodigal son paints a picture of a younger brother who is destitute financially. But the fact of the matter is both brothers are destitute. One is destitute financially, while the other one is destitute spiritually. And God, this morning, we want your full blessing in our lives. God, we want to, we want to become more and more like you. We want to have your heart, a heart full of love, not just for you, but for our brothers and our sisters that you put in our life. God, even as, even as we're praying, people are coming to mind, people that we struggle with, people that we have a hard time with, people that we find it hard to get along with, people that, uh, that just never fail to aggravate us. God, you're calling us to love that person, especially that person. You're calling us to love them unconditionally. Therein is, is great blessing. Therein is great wealth great riches. So God, we pray right now, do a work in our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.